Episode number five of Wedding Photographers Unite. My name is Andy Buscemi. My name is Neil Urban. And we are a bi-monthly wedding photography podcast for wedding photographers. By wedding photographers. Thank you, Mr. Urban. Oh, you're welcome. What's up, man? Unite! <laughs> Not much. I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling good. My to-do list is completed. Wait, hold it's... on a second. <laughs> say, let me, let me say wedding photographers, and then you say Unite. Ready? Wedding photographers. Unite. Wedding photographers. Unite. Wedding photographers. Unite. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, I just want a little energy at the start of the episode there. Right. Sorry to throw, throw things off. Um, okay, but, but what have you been up to? What's been going on, man? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. And then I just bring it right down. Yeah, baby. And then we... And then we change that mood mm-hmm. and here we are man here i am yeah okay all right so what <laughs> have you been up to it. what's been going on right. man I'm, I'm doing good man i'm feeling good my to-do list is completed knock on wood i don't get any phone calls within the next day or two but we have some traveling coming up and what what i want to do is just completely get everything done and we had a big commercial project going on and it just kind of took a lot longer than what i wanted or expected yeah and As today seem to yeah and and today i finished it it's in the bag or it's in the can as as the film guys say but uh but yeah i'm, I'm good yes. I'm nice good. very good so we talked <laughs> yeah. about flying free as birds last time and now we are both flying free as birds because i'm all set with that my editing too is like the first time in months that i've been caught up and it feels it feels really good but it still hasn't hit me yet right that it's real like mm-hmm. I literally, like literally, I'm caught up. I have nothing to edit other than things now that I want to edit. Mm-hmm. Like I want to go back to like some older weddings and kind of re-edit in a new style and yeah. get that kind of a little bit more consistent on my portfolio. But mm-hmm. but it's not, nothing that's like has to be edited by Thursday, right? And that's pretty cool <laughs> because then um, you know th- then I can like we were, you talked about like practicing mm-hmm. before, like practicing a new style. Then I can kind of play with things. And maybe get into some more like creative layers and stuff that I usually don't have time for. Like when I'm, when I'm like, like usually I'm like I got this thing out by Thursday, so I have no, you know, I've got to do my base, my, like my style that I've learned over the years. Yeah, but but yeah. now now we can be playful. I know, you know, I, earlier I was thinking I was like, oh my gosh, there's a couple shots I want to do like for myself, and then I, you know now I have the time and to do so. So it's it feels good. I th- I think our audience who's listening out there, you know, they they can. They know what how we feel because yeah you know and that's actually uh, I think so important I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not yet but uh, just the idea that like before you first um, like when like when I first started I like had all these ideas of, of you know photos that I wanted to do and like I want to shoot this and shoot that but then when you get busy like if you get busy mm-hmm. you don't have time to actually learn. Um, new things in the middle of wedding season when things are cranking along or shooting for yourself um, yeah or mm-hmm. shoot for yourself mm-hmm. it's like when I have like three weddings to edit plus however many portrait sessions like I sometimes I don't even want to pick up the camera because I just know I'm going to have to edit those photos <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? So, and, and it's really sad because you know 
uh, we got into this business, you know, for the sake of, you know, loving what we do. And I yeah. do. I love what I do. But it becomes it does become work a little bit. So you kind of have mm-hmm. to be careful of, um, you know, when you make your passion, your life and your work, um, you can you can stay passionate about it. But uh, but it is, you know, it does also become work. So it's something yeah. to be careful of. And if you haven't got to the point where you're super busy and maybe you're just shooting a few weddings a year right now, mm-hmm. that's like sure you want to shoot more and you want to be more active and everything like that but at the same time like love that you have the ability to shoot on your own and you have the ability to practice and 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 perfect your craft yeah and you know what we okay we live really close to niagara falls and right now with the uh sub below temperatures um niagara falls is kind of like mid frozen kind of thing and everybody's flocking to that yes, location all photographers. all photographers are going there even from afar they're they're coming to niagara falls to take pictures and i live 20 minutes away and i'm just like you know i have work to do <laughs> I don't want- dude that's so funny because i thought the same exact thing i was like dude i would love to go out there and uh-huh. shoot the falls but I've got to get this this, this thing out of there. And I'm looking out, through. You know? I'm scrolling through my newsfeed, seeing all the photographers' pictures. I'm like, okay, that looks that looks nice. And okay, they they took the shots. So if I want to see, it, I'll just look at their images. <laughs> it, I mean, it just sounds bad that you know I'm a photographer, and but I just you know I yeah. Do. But now we have that freedom. But now yeah, now, now we've I got do. the freedom, yeah. and yeah. and so and it's. But nice. do I just really want to <laughs> go out there and freeze freeze my butt off? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's the question. That is the question. <laughs> Maybe so, I'll just take my iPhone out there and not risk my <laughs> my expensive gear. No man, no. But 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 and that's actually something that I've really I've really tried to as much as we're talking about this and. Uh, you know, I've tried to at least start bringing uh, like a camera around, and I did have like a little compact like uh, Canon G12 that I was mm-hmm. bringing around, and it worked for a while. But then I just kind of like, why am I bringing this camera around when I have my phone with me? And then yeah. it kind of sat around. And I ended up selling it back on eBay or whatever. But mm-hmm. but I am like trying to at least bring a camera around from time to time, just because some of some shots that I've got that are more on the artsy side or whatever is because I happen to have my camera with me at the right time. Right. So as much as it sucks to, to bring a camera around that, especially when you maybe are in this full time and you always have a camera with you and it feels like this big weight, it's, it's nice to maybe remind yourself once in a while, hey, you know, maybe I should bring my camera out mm-hmm. if I'm going out on this day trip and, or whatever it is. So, um, yeah. The thing about those, you know, those cameras is that, us guys, we have nowhere to really put them except for you know around our shoulder or whatever. You know, we we don't carry purses to where we can you know <laughs> throw it in a purse or our man purses or <laughs> anything like that. And if we go somewhere and we can't bring in bring the camera inside where we go, you know we have to put them in the car in the glove compartment. Or one time we went to Disney and you know I brought my camera and I, it wasn't I wasn't allowed to bring it on the rides or anything, so I had to get a locker. <laughs> and then we went to another ride and then I had to get a locker again. And yeah. I like twenty something dollars just of getting lockers yeah. for my cameras to where you know it's, yeah and that's actually a scary thing to leave yeah. in a locker yeah uh, so but hey. but thankfully these iPhones are are getting better so I can just snap off a couple pictures yeah you know yeah absolutely from my travels so um, okay so I guess uh, first. First, we're just going to kind of get back into a little bit of uh, WPPI here because uh, we're both going to WPPI. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't going to go this year. I was – actually, you know, at the end of every WPPI, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to go next year just because, you know, once you see it all and then uh, and then you just kind of WPPI'd out and then and all of a sudden the next year comes around and you're just like – like like uh, Scott, Jarvie. Scott Jarvie. Yeah, he mentioned the phone. Yeah, he said just in, taught us that I'm new afraid word. to miss something, and um, 
we were, my wife and I were going to go out on vacation to California and visit some family out there. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? WPPI is on the way. We're just like, you know what? If we can, if we can make a little pit stop, which that's what we're going to do. We're going to stop. Uh, we're going to be there early Sunday. We're going to spend all day Sunday and then spend the night Sunday night and then mm-hmm. um, go to the expo all, all on Monday. Say hello to everybody. See the new things that are out. And then we're taking off from there. So it's going to be a very short trip, but I'm still excited for it. But cool. this is going to be your first trip. Yeah, yeah. This is well. This is my first, uh, my first trip ever anywhere. I'm <laughs> not I'm, a, no, trip to no. This, yeah, this will be my first uh, trip out to WPPI, and I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited about it. Um, I uh, you know I've been to Photo Plus and I've been to other various regional uh, photography mm-hmm. uh, conventions, but I haven't made out made it out to WPPI yet. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned, I mentioned, I think, at the beginning of the, the year when we were talking about goals for this year, one of my goals for this year is networking on a, on a bigger level in conjunction with the show. And, uh, and also, I'm, you know, I'm just really looking forward to going and seeing workshops by some of my personal heroes, you know? Yeah, any, any um, favorites out there that you plan on seeing? Yeah, well, yeah, and I'm already, what's great about the way uh, WPPI has it set up is, you know, when you log on and register, uh, you, they, you can, you know, print out your schedule and pick your top five classes mm-hmm. that you want to attend. And it's like totally reasonably priced once you're a WPPI member to begin with. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. And uh, so I, so the main people, well, really the, the two people that I'm most uh, excited to see mm-hmm. is Roberto Venezuela. He's like my personal hero mm-hmm. as far as the wedding photography world goes. You know, I think he's got it all, man. He's got, uh, he's got... Uh, posing, he's got uh, he's got good looks, you know, just him himself. You know, we're talking, <laughs> last time we were talking about, but no, but I mean, he's got like that whole package of like you know a, a nice personality. He's you know giving. He's got he's got it all. His work is just incredible. So I really look up to him mm-hmm. as somebody that uh, that I whose work I respect and respect him as, a, as an individual that I, you know, I would like to strive to become more like Mr. Roberto Venezuela. He's a good <laughs> dude, you know, um, but between him and then uh, Susan Stripling, who I think Susan Stripling's work is just absolutely incredible. Uh, her lighting, everything that she does with the lighting, uh, the way that she does her ring shots, um, you know, just the, just the, general, right. the general lighting <laughs> that she uses on uh-huh. this. Um, but she that she really does have a really beautiful style and look to her her photos and I like the way that her processing looks and everything like that. So I'm excited to to see her and you know I've seen you know I've seen all these people like you can mm-hmm. watch everybody on YouTube and you can there's various ways to see people online but but there is something different you know like when I went to Photo Plus and you know I you know I saw you know Jerry Gahonis is in a workshop mm-hmm. you you get a little bit more out of you know actually meeting with people and networking with oh, people definitely. yeah and um and having fun with people and then just enjoying life man because oh, <laughs> that's what it's about right <laughs> yeah it's it's one thing to see these guys on YouTube but to walk the halls with them and just stop them and introduce yourself to them in person is another so absolutely you know. and both uh, both Neil and I uh, we'll be uh, running around with uh, with uh, wedding photographers unite yeah. business cards. Uh, you know, just to, just for the new people, and mm-hmm. I think for you know for, if for new people that um, a lot of the WPPI is about networking, and I and I really do want to get out there and meet more people. So um, maybe maybe you got a business card of mine, and you're listening to this episode. Hello, what's going on? <laughs> Welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, listening this long uh, for to the, to the show, and we hope you like what we have so yeah, far. Definitely. But that's what life is about. You know, mm-hmm. like life is. 
life is uh, too short to not meet new new people, new friends, and and, right. uh, and learn those, from each other. Yeah, and those two people who you just mentioned that you're going to their classes, you never know they might be our guest on here sometime. Absolutely, so. yeah, that's yeah. life. That's how life works. Like exactly. that, it's all relationships <laughs> and networking. So. So speaking of WPPI, um, our guest this evening is Neil Van Niekirk. He has a master class this year, and he's also doing a photo walk. He's known for his Tangents blog, and um, he also has a couple books out there, um, Direction and Quality of Light, Lighting and Design for Portrait Photography, Off-Camera Flash for Digital Photographers, and On-Camera Flash Techniques for Digital Wedding and Portrait Photography. So he's got a lot out there, and here he is. Okay, so today we have a guest, Neil Van Niekirk. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, man. Pleasure being here. All right. Neil, where, where, are you, uh, where are you coming from? I'm originally from South Africa, and we emigrated to the United States 15 years ago. I'm now one of you. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've always been sharing your information of photography. When, now, how did that all start of you teaching? Well, the, the Tangents blog, which used to be the Pan and Neil blog, had a couple of different starts, a couple of different things happened that pushed it. We emigrated from South Africa in 2000, and I didn't have a work permit at the time. We emigrated from my wife's work permit, mm-hmm. so I was a stay-at-home dad for three years. So I started Planet Neil with writing about myself, kind of a blog before blog, blogs were blogs, and started writing more and more about photography. So eventually it was all photography. And when I finally did get my work permit, I was a second shooter and then a primary shooter at a, for a wedding photography studio here in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it was just at the cusp of everyone switching from film to digital. And for 25 years or so, I shot on slide film, which has a very narrow tolerance for exposure. So I kind of knew my exposure metering. I really, I could nail it. Mm-hmm. And then I went to digital and suddenly things didn't quite make sense. And your film shooters really were stuck in the deep end because all your film shooters were, were going, oh, digital is not there, digital is crap, etc. Mm-hmm. And nobody, none of them wanted to admit that they were they had very poor technique. The labs fixed the problems for them. So in start, trying for me to figure out what was going on with a changeover from film to digital and shooting digital and getting all these questions and to make sense of it, I started writing about it on my blog, and that started picking up speed. And then there was a something else as well. I was on the digital wedding forum, and there was a thread where somebody asked, "How do you use Flash?" <laughs> <laughs> you know how people on forums are; they they very often grandstand. Uh-huh. So you have the bunch of photographers in California that always have perpetual wonderful sunshine. They never use Flash. <laughs> let's let's talk about winter on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. So anyway, so there were. This thread started, how to use Flash? And a couple of people go, you don't use Flash, it's ugly, la, 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 la. And there's the usual grandstanding going on. Mm-hmm. About 10 posts deep, I, I was in a bad mood today. So I posted about 10 photographs, and I said, sometimes it's full Flash, sometimes it's off-camera Flash, sometimes it's bound Flash, sometimes it's full Flash, sometimes it's hard direct Flash. And I posted examples. Because the one thing I tended to do on the forums then, I would post examples of my photographs. This is what I... Achieve. This is what th- these are the results. Mm-hmm. This, I do it. If you don't like it, awesome. Move on. Hmm. I yeah, sub- I can substantiate that. This is what I do. These are the results, and it informs whoever reads it. If you don't like it, cool. If you do like it, this is what I do. As opposed to a meaningless throwaway line or two. So anyway, 
This day was in a bad mood, so I posted about 10 examples for flash, off-camera flash, and everybody was going, oh my god, this is amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? This is basic stuff. <laughs> I started posting more, and that became sort of the mainstay articles on the Tangents blog. Just a mm -hmm. series of articles. They're a little out of date now. Everything else has kind of run away with it. But the, that became the flagship articles, a, a basic set of tutorials on how to use Flash, explaining how to get clean-looking Flash that doesn't look like Flash. Mm, yeah. If you, especially if you shoot indoors, or use off-camera Flash, and use it delicately, where it's delicately balanced with a, a available light, mm -hmm. very often there's no indication that you used Flash. Mm. You know, so people go, oh, Flash is ugly, I just want to... Just stop talking because... <laughs> yeah, the main reason that people say that is because they don't know how to balance the ambient versus the flash and, and make it not look like flash, right? I think that's the, basically what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. it. If you, if you know what you're doing, you can delicately balance the ambient light and the flash and just enhance the ambient light. You can just make it look very sweet. So I kind of kick against that uh, dogmatic thing that this is always bad, this is always bad, this, only this is good. I'm... Mm -hmm. I'm a lot, a lot wider open to you do what you need to at the time to make it look good. Whatever looks best, work the best. Mm -hmm. yeah. be results. So that's that's where it came from. So that's pull it all together. That's where my website came from. Is uh, my own struggles switching from uh, film uh, from film to digital mm -hmm. and having lots of free time as a stay-at-home dad. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, losing my temper on a forum one day. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's what I like about the Tangents blog is that you just kind of test stuff and then you put it out there and say, hey, you know what? This is it. Th these are my settings. This is what I got. If you like it, you know, go ahead and do it. If not, then then move along or, or wait for the next thing that, that I try. Um, but now you, you, do, um, you do have another book that's out there called uh, Direction and Quality Light. Now, um, okay, we just talked about flashlight or using flash um, now let's talk about using available light one thing that I heard you say about um, using available light is you know when you have a nice cloudy day there's still direction of light that people have to worry about and, and once people once a lot of photographers they think that you know it's a cloudy day I, I really don't have to do anything it's just gonna look beautiful no matter what but that's not that's not the case is it not really especially if it's cloudy you very often have dark eye sockets because the light is soft but it's coming from overhead it's not flattering. Mm -hmm. It'd still be better off using a bit of off-camera flash or even on-camera flash or position your subject so that the available light is more flattering. But just cloudy day is not necessarily amazing light yet. It's soft mm -hmm. light, but it's not amazing. And there's something you can do either with additional lighting or posing your subject or looking for some place. And very often with available light what works well is if you move people into a doorway or under a veranda mm -hmm. and you force the light majority of the light to come from mm -hmm. a certain direction and you then creating soft directional light simply by where you position your subject and how you pose them and that's something I push on my blog as well as that basic idea that uh, I'm an available light photographer it means nothing <laughs> unless you specifically use the available light and you specifically pose your subject and you specifically position your subject. Yes, and also flash is available. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> I'm an omnivore there. Now, speaking, uh, now, now that we just talked about using both kind of, kinds of light, um, now if, 
let's say if you have an engagement shoot tomorrow, what kind of uh, what kind of gear would you bring? Would you kind of like look at what the weather's going to be like? Do you kind of take the location into consideration? Like, what, what would you normally bring on like an engagement shoot? On engagement shoots, uh, two cameras, twenty-four to seventy and a seventy to two hundred. Although I mostly shoot with a seventy to two hundred, but I bring two cameras. I've, I've had a Nikon D3 diameter engagement session where the couple got dressed up, met me in New York. So if I had only one camera, because I had only engagement shooting, I was do it again, it would have been disastrous because that just kills their... Mm. Uh, they, yeah. they trust me because this guy's camera dies mm-hmm. shooting my wedding in three months. <laughs> Whereas the camera died and went like, oops, they, I don't think they even knew. I just went, okay, hang on, need to swap lenses and I kept shooting. Mm-hmm. So engagement session, two cameras, two lenses, and... Sometimes no flash, sometimes just on-camera flash, usually off-camera flash. Okay. Now, for example, if I shoot in the meatpacking district, I often take people there because it's urban and colorful and so on. Mm-hmm. But I know that there are a certain number of verandas that I can work under. So if I meet people at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I know there's lights coming in from there, and I stand here under the veranda, stand here under a doorway, stand here, I can get... 10 different setups. So with the engagement session, I would aim for 10 to 12 different positions and setups. Obviously, I'll shoot wide, tight, horizontal, vertical, all that, but I aim for 10 to 12, but I know that I can bring that without additional light. Mm-hmm. But I always have on-camera flash anyway, because sometimes we just need that delicate touch of mm-hmm. light on-camera flash. But mm-hmm. off-camera flash is where the magic is, because I can make anything work. Yeah. Yep. Now, how about a wedding? I mean, you. I mean, you have so much gear. You've tested so many things. I mean, let's say if you just have a wedding in New York, um, a wedding in New York would automatically mean an assistant to drive a car. <laughs> in Manhattan, if you try and find parking, and then run around with the gear, you're going to miss the ceremony. You're going to miss everything mm-hmm. if there's no parking. So, a wedding in Manhattan, assistant to drive my car, drop me off, and then go find parking. Or just I, I had a wedding in Manhattan where. My assistant circled St. Patrick's Cathedral. <laughs> well, uh, do what I do inside and then hop in the car and we go off to this ceremony. But anyway, wow. I'm digressing. Wow. What, I t- what I take is two cameras, 24 to 70, 70 mm-hmm. I might have uh, ultra-wide. Uh, for the bride's prep, I bring a macro for details. But I would say that 98% of what I shoot is done with the two zooms. Okay. That, that brings it in. I don't need f1.4. That's usually not enough depth of field. And I know people talk about mm. the shallow depth of field and they right. name it as bouquet, which bouquet and depth of field is not the same thing. Uh, that's a different tangent. <laughs> f1.4 is mostly not practical. I need f4, 5.6, f8, a bit of crispness to it and enough depth of field. Because the moment you photograph two people, F2.8 is risky. F4, mm-hmm. careful, 5.6, you're getting there. If I, mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. So I, I tend to shoot with the two zooms. I'm happy with it. The two cameras have to be identical because I don't want to fidget fadget because the ISO button is the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Okay. And both of them have a, cam- a flash on the camera because I use a lot of bounce flash. Now, in terms of off-camera lighting, I used to bring in a setup where I have two speed lights, clamps and bracket umbrella and the whole thing mm-hmm. these days I use a Profoto B1 it's no cables put on a transmitter on my camera switch it on and bang it through, through umbrella and I light up everything 
And that's from your camera. You can control the manual output from, from the camera. Even easier with a Pro Photo B1. A little bit of a sales picture because I just love that line. Yeah, I've, I've looked into it. I've, so you say, yeah, so I need I. one one more, one more, or two more pushes and I'm interested. So, <laughs> so give it to me. Now, with off-camera lighting, if you set up the families in a certain position with the same lights, weekend after weekend after weekend, you want 5.6, ISO, whatever it might be, you know at a certain distance it's a certain power because off-camera lighting is, or flash exposure is distance, power, aperture, ISO. So you know that a certain distance, you're getting the same results with the same flash. Mm-hmm. You don't have to meet every time. But even then, with a Profiter B1, you set it up, you set it to TTL, you take a test shot at whatever aperture you decide. If I, bam, test shot, and you go, oh, this is cool. You switch the transmitter over to manual. It's locked. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's nice. That's really, that's, actually, <laughs> that's a good selling point. I didn't know that. That's, an inc- that's pretty good. And I, I, people always go on about, oh, it's TTL, you don't need TTL. Yeah, for a yeah. starting point, that's incredible. I just get the group when I go TTL. If you decide the aperture, because that's the beauty of TTL again, you decide your settings and the flash will fall and you go, bam, F8. And if it looks good, you lock it. If it doesn't, you go tap, 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 up or down, lock it, ready to roll. No cables, the setting up so easy. So at the moment, my off-camera lighting is a Pro Photo B1. Hmm. Hmm. It's such an awesome light, and now it has high-speed sync, so it's even better now for off-camera lighting with a couple. You nail 2.8 or 3.5 hmm. at whatever shutter speed. It's it's awesome. Wow. Cool. Wow. But uh, I tend to over-prepare when I shoot weddings. I have a roller case with all the 1.4s and a backup body and extra batteries. It's it's a little ridiculous, but I tend to shoot with a very basic setup. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and just it, that's one of the things we should be doing is over preparing <laughs> because uh, anything can go wrong at any moment. So as wedding photographers, it's a it's a big deal to to over prepare and think what if scenarios. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if what if a body breaks? What if a lens breaks? If this lens breaks, do I have enough? So that's it's good to over prepare like that. Uh, just mm-hmm. for our listeners that are listening in here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, entropy will have its way. Things will break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's six thousand dollar body is awesome it will last for however many hundreds of thousands of actuations but mm-hmm. things go wrong and mm-hmm. it dies yeah. so you need a backup so I clients ask me if I have backup they have the little checklist you know? mm-hmm. insurance I have this and this. do I have backup I have back my backups have backup I just can't afford uh a crisis, you know. That's that's kind of how you lose business. Yeah, I remember not too long ago, I was, you know, we're friends on Facebook, and I remember you posting a picture of uh, you had a lens, uh, and it was all cracked on. on the, oh gosh, it was it was horrible. Now there's a 24 to 70 that came off my camera. I have no idea how. Oh. I, I tried at home movements. I don't know how the lens came off. Fell on the brick floor. It crashed. I walked over to my bag and I picked up a 35 1.4 and I continued. There was a tear in my eye. I mean, it's, just, it's a sad moment when your favorite, most awesome Zoom ever dies. That's <laughs> oh, <laughs> horrible. So the back is important. So on that note, uh, photographers on Facebook that post, I lost my hard drive. What do I do now? Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> I am the bad person that posts every time go to your backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, because you should be as a professional. If you're going to call yourself a professional and you're out there shooting, you should have these multiple backup plans in, in place. You should. So in the same sense, your your data, this is how you lose a business. You know, uh, 
electrical spike or a fire or all these uh, hurricanes and stuff happening in the Midwest, they rip, they shred a town out of nowhere. Yeah. You can't prepare and switch your computer off and take to the basement. That thing runs through a town and your house is shredded. Uh, you'd better have uh, offline backup. Yeah. Uh, no. Offside backup. Mm-hmm. Now, what do, you, uh, what do you use for backup? For backup, mm-hmm. I have two Drobos, and they're both uh, dual redundancy. So I can have one hard drive die, and I still have redundancy, and mm-hmm. I have another one. And then I have uh, my galleries on, I use Zenfolio. Okay. So the full res JPEGs of everything resides on Zenfolio. And then I use Backblaze for everything. So I have JPEGs in the cloud, and I have raw and JPEG and everything else on the cloud with uh, Backblaze. And then I have two drovers, both with dual redundancy. So I mean, Okay. I'd, my worst case scenario is my house gets shredded and I'll just phone my clients go <laughs> a week longer I go to the Apple store mm-hmm. all my data is on the cloud and it takes me a day to restore and then however long from Backblaze to get a hard drive and a week later I'm up and running without blinking good good and that, that's how it should be you should really be prepared for the worst case scenario. So I'm off on a tangent here. We're talking about cameras and lenses, but oh, it's okay. It's okay. Get a bit evangelical about data because I I just see on Facebook so many photographers go, "My hard drive died. What do I do now?" <laughs> Backup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you had mentioned JPEGs. You have a perfect explanation of why people should not shoot in JPEG. Um, now, Tarla, it's this is still a topic that people still shoot in JPEG and not RAW. Uh, but you have one of the best explanations out there. Can you share with uh, our listeners who still shoot JPEG? Oh, man, I've beaten this drum so... I know, I know, but believe it or not, it's still a topic of conversation. It's The thing is, you always get this thing that you shoot and raw as a crutch. You should know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. I know what I'm doing. I seriously know what I'm doing, especially after, as I said, 25 years of shooting slide film. I can nail my exposures. Mm-hmm. I'm still not good enough to shoot in JPEG. Because there is no photographer on this planet good enough. No one is on this planet is good enough to get correct exposure, correct white balance, correct contrast, correct local contrast, correct black point, correct everything for every possible scenario they will encounter. And especially on a wedding, when you're bouncing around from one location to another, one light source to the next, especially on a wedding. Incandescent light, the videographer's lights, light coming through the church windows, in and out, it's DJ lights... Mm-hmm. You name it, everything is there. So tell me which photographer is good enough to shoot JPEG <laughs> and not edit their photographs. So yeah. by the time you start uh, editing your photographs, go to RAW. A RAW workflow is faster, better, everything are than JPEG workflow. So nobody is good enough. I'll, I'll stand by that. The struggle is real, brother. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Now... Um now, you mentioned assistance before of shooting a wedding. And for those who are trying to get into wedding photography and, you know, trying to become assistants, what do you look for in a good assistant? Other than driving around uh, the cathedral over and over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want the epic rant or the nurturing advice? Sure, let's give us, give us the, uh, the epic. Okay, let's take the advice wider. If you want to get into photography as a career, don't. You might have an interesting career if you're lucky, but the competition is really tough. Making a living as a photographer is generally tough. I think the age where 
you can have a photographer having a studio sustain a family on income from a studio that's long gone mm -hmm. it's changed with digital it's changed over the past 15 years that's the reality of it it's not good news you have your dream your passion la la awesome uh, go study engineering go study something tech become a dentist study engineering get a good salary then you can afford the Leica with no pressure <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good that's, that's, that would be if you have a passion for photography mm -hmm. go study engineering <laughs> indulge in the passion so anyway back to what I'm looking for in a second photographer that's good I, I struggle getting solid second photographers because it just seems like a, with so many photographers there are so many photographers out there but there are so few solid photographers mm -hmm. and it comes down to and I've got an article about this how to improve your skills it comes down to majority of photographers I deal with do not have a solid understanding of shutter speed, aperture, ISO how they combine with proper exposure mm. I've had second shooters use too small an aperture which implies too, too short a shutter speed I had a guy second shoot with me formals uh, of the bride and groom he's shooting f8 too slow an ISO so we're hitting 30th of a second mm. 30th of a second with a stabilized lens mm -hmm. still not fast enough <laughs> no, <it's> not. <laughs> so there's a there's a such a huge lack of understanding how shutter speed aperture and ISO interrelate for proper exposure and then all interrelate for enough depth of field and all interrelate for sharp enough so that's what that's what I struggle with is getting photographers that instinctively know these things mm -hmm. lift up a camera and can nail a, can nail a basic portrait Mm -hmm. yeah. We're not even talking about flash. We're talking available light. It's just yeah, I, not enough people have those basic skills, and it sounds like I might be wrong in this, but I'm not. It's just people lack the basic what? understanding of that. The first thirty pages of any good book on photography is lacking with most photographers. But now on Facebook, I love it when you post that you're looking for an assistant. Do you know? Uh, do you remember the little rules that uh, that you post on there? And I, I, I just love them. <laughs> uh, that's that's become a a constant uh, thing which is really funny most people I love it know what it's about and then <laughs> most of people that get very angry if I, I look for an assistant to help me with a photo shoot in your or whatever it is there's a couple of rules mm -hmm. no whistling no <laughs> jiggling don't Instagram my clients I will be the one who decides who's funny <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and there's also one that I love, uh, baby be cool, cool or uh, what's what's the Pulp Fiction? Bunny be cool. Yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> so I have these list of rules and I intermingle them. And a weird thing is, people, some people get upset about it. How can it be so demanding? And I go, what's so demanding? Don't Instagram my clients. How is that? How would how would that upset you? You know. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. also. We've the, I've made these rules sound very harsh, but there's nothing that's unrealistic except maybe the whistling thing that just annoys me. Don't whistle. <laughs> no, I mean, I had, I had a problem with an assistant once as to where he was handing out his own business cards at my wedding. I, you know, it's don't do that. You've got to lay down the list. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'll send you the list. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. 
Okay. Now, uh, I just yeah, I guess I just had uh, one question there for you because I always like to do a little research when I know who's coming on the show, and I saw a previous interview that you did, and one of the things that you mentioned uh, is that you like to maintain an amateur approach to photography, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, and if you could maybe just talk a little bit about what that means and why that is maybe important. Yeah, that's what I said there is that I still have that amateur's love of photography. I love everything. I want to explore everything. In a way, this has also helped my business. Now, when, when you're told what to do in your business, they tell you to specialize and find that niche and work hard at it. And I look at my friends and some of them are really successful wedding photographers, but that's all they do. They market, they uh, work with vendors, they put out vendors, but they work full-time as a wedding photographer. And for me, that would somehow kill the love of photography if everything I do is just that closely focused on just the wedding photography business. Mm -hmm. I got into photography not to be a wedding photographer. A wedding photographer is part of what pays the bills. Mm -hmm. I want to do everything else as well. So I... Um, one of the things I did a few years ago is I bought a time-lapse rig. Just for fun of it, I saw some time-lapse clips of New York that looked amazing. amazing. And then the D4 came out, and that does uh, uh, time-lapse. generates time-lapse clips for you, compiles it for you in camera, etc. So I shot, put it on my website just for fun. Uh, German, t German news t television news station saw it. They bought a few clips for their international news items, which is great. And then I... Uh, there's a, a commercial property owner that wanted uh, a new video for the website, and I suggested let's do time lapse. Because you know, mm. he said to me, "We have these buildings; it's just big, bland warehouses. How do we make it interesting?" So I, th I thought of doing time lapse. So I shoot two hours long time lapse. In that time, the shadows move, the clouds move. It looks interesting. So I shot that, and I'm uh, busy negotiating with a Fortune 500 company to shoot time lapse for their office in New York wow. which will be a big thing for me Yeah, but this, these things came out of doing stuff for the love of it now there's actually no there's no financial reason for me to spend $2,000 etc on a time lapse rig just I wanted to try it and do it and it had a ripple effect an unexpected ripple effect so that way I, I try and explore all kinds of things sometimes it's a dead end sometimes there's something interesting happening and if, if you're stuck in a very small niche, uh, it becomes just that thing. It becomes a bit of a grind. Whereas now, I love doing wedding photography. I would love doing everything else as well because that's part of playing with the toys. Mm -hmm. And I think also what helps me there with my business is having a multi-strand uh, multi approach to my business. It leaves me less vulnerable to changes in the economy uh, mm -hmm. I have a friend who was a commercial photographer in New York 9-11 happened and three of his major uh, clients uh, collapsed because they were reliant on the local economy in, in uh, the Wall Street area so 9-11 happened his entire business died and there was nothing wow. so if you that specialized you run the risk of things happening and I, I feel a lot more secure that I, I'll be able to stay afloat mm -hmm. and go with whatever the tide is because it keeps the excitement going and it keeps the love afloat of photography why I actually got into it in the first place. Right. 
That's awesome. Well, Neil, all right. Well, thank you very much. But before you go, we have a quick fire question questionnaire. It's called Inside the Photography Studio. So we have five questions, quick fire answers, okay? Are you ready? Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, Neil, what is your favorite part of the wedding? Portraits with a bride and groom. The rest of the day is defined for you. Mm-hmm. But portraits of the bride and groom, I really think, the romantic portraits, that's where the photographer can really show their style and how they work with the couples. They see the environment, they use the environment, and lighting. So I think uh, photographer is really able to bring a signature style during the romantic portraits more than anywhere else, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, forget about photography. If there was one other profession that you could do, what would it be? In an alternate life, I would like to be a rock star. <laughs> if you're on a stage and people love you because you can sing and play guitar, mm-hmm. snort cocaine off the... <laughs> that, that, that should have been... You know, I should not have picked up a camera. I should have picked up a guitar. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Van Niekirk, Neil, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a great name as for a rock star, too. Yeah. So you, you've got, you got that going for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're not doing photography, what other hobby uh, is it that you enjoy? I love music. I used to play saxophone, but I ran out of time there with photography, taking up everything. The business mm-hmm. just becomes all-consuming. But I love music. I really listen widely. Perfect. And then I love, I love movies. Okay. Really enjoy movies. I have a pretty big movie collection on my shelves. Okay, question number four. Uh, when you need inspiration... Oh, actually, this is a perfect timing for this question. When you need inspiration, what music do you listen to? A lot of my inspiration comes when I'm driving. Because it's a... It's an automatic thing. You're not concentrating on something. You can kind of kick into automatic mode. Mm-hmm. And then I listen to a lot of trance and a lot of house, a lot of electronic music. Okay, now last question. Now, um, what's your dream wedding location that you haven't been to yet? Dream wedding location that I haven't been to yet? Yeah. Man, I've, uh, I've shot in California. I photo off the wedding in Aruba, Bahamas. You were just at Australia last year? Just at Australia with a phenomenal yeah. couple. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> I think I'm kind of stuck here. Yeah? Oh. We stumped Neil. <laughs> Maybe somewhere in the South Pacific Islands. With okay. <laughs> like Fiji or... Uh... <laughs> like nice. But I've, 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 shot photo, I've shot weddings in some pretty interesting locations. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Cool, man. Now, uh, now you're, we're going to see you at WPPI next week, right? Yes, I'll be at WPPI. I'm doing a master class mm-hmm. uh, on the Tuesday, and I'm doing a photo walk on the Wednesday. Great. And what's what's the... Um... Dates correct. I'm sorry? I hope I have my dates correct. <laughs> but, you know, that would be me getting my dates wrong. Yeah, it's a master class on a Tuesday morning, and I'm doing a photo walk on the th- Wednesday. A photo walk should be interesting. Uh, we're going to have a couple there and we're going to talk about posing I'm going to bring in a pro photo and a couple of transmitters and people can shoot and oh there we go yeah nice and um, you also have a new book out yes I have a new book out uh, it's sort of a continuation of the book you mentioned Direction Quality of Light mm-hmm. it expands on the topics and takes a little bit wider and, uh, oh I should mention Direction Quality of Light is still bouncing around the 
top sellers of Amazon two years later. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the new book is out, and it's a continuation of that. It explores similar themes. So yeah, I'm very proud of the books. That's fantastic. And uh, tell our listeners where they can follow you, where the best place to follow you is. This place to follow me would be on my blog, the Tangents blog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll have to type up the URL there. It's neilvn.com slash tangents. Or Planet Neil will get you there. And yes. we'll put in our show notes, Yeah, we'll too. have a link there in the show oh. notes. And we'll get you there. There's a, there's a little bit of an ego involved here. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Neil, thank you so much for being a guest. And, uh, and we'll see you at WPPI in Vegas. See you around. Okay, and that was our guest interview with Neil Van Niekirk. Um, definitely check him out at WPPI and check out his classes and follow him because it's cool. It's very <laughs> cool stuff. Um, all right, uh, Neil, our next topic. Yes. Um, on the forums a couple of days ago, uh, this one photographer, she posted this in quotes saying, a photo isn't considered out of focus as long as you can make out who is in the photo. Now, she posted this and she kind of had a little question whether if we should delete our images that are out of focus and the whole form just kind of blew up and had a huge response and everybody had their difference of opinions. And I kind of wanted to ask Andy about this, is that should we delete images that are out of focus even though you captured the emotion and action of the event? Now, I know a lot of photographers who do. If they see, if they see an image in their camera, they delete right away. I used to do that too, but I kind of had a little bit of a a certain situation as to where I kept an image um, and it was actually, it was out of focus, but it was a beautiful image and I entered it into uh, WPPI a couple years ago and ended up winning an award. Um, So I think if you do capture the image or capture the emotion or the action of the shot and you can tell, and if it's perfectly composed and everything, um, you know, why not try, you know, maybe keep it. So as far as, you know, I think about this, uh, well, there's two things. There's the technical aspect of it, which I have heard people say that when you start deleting images off, off your, your card, Mm -hmm. um, you're much more prone to having that card die essentially. Um, just, yeah. And I've heard quite a few people just mention that just technically, if you're shooting along and say you format a card, which we should always mm-hmm. be formatting our cards in prior camera, to shooting right. in the in that yeah. particular camera mm-hmm. body that we're using. Um, but then if you start taking photos and start deleting along the way, um, I don't know how true this is anymore technically, um, but it seems to be that a lot, I've heard a lot of smart people mention, hey, you shouldn't do that because you have much more higher chance of having that card corrupt. Okay. Um, so that's just from a technical standpoint, what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, on a personal you know, standpoint, I, don't, I try to, t- to not delete images when I'm shooting mm-hmm. uh, because I don't, again, I don't, for me and the way that I shoot, I don't want to think about anything that can distract me from being aware of what's happening at the wedding. Um, so I try not to delete images because it's just space at the end of the day. Like I would, like... My, my mentality on this is that I would, again, I've mentioned in a previous episode, I would rather shoot more and have more information to work with. And along those notes, um, if I would have deleted something that was maybe even slightly out of focus, whatever, um, there's, a, there's a chance that, that that could still be a usable image, maybe in the case that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, where it doesn't, not everything has to be tax sharp. Um, I've heard it said that 
uh, photography, you know, a lot of photography is about compromise. Um, right. In different situations, you might compromise how bright you want the sun versus who you're photographing. And you can make these various compromises on pretty much any level. Um, maybe, maybe the out-of-focus thing is kind of more along the lines of a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. But, but, but very often, um, we're still making judgment calls even when we do uh, focus. Um, if we focus on our subject's right eye or left eye, if we're using a shallow depth of field... Um, which you know we're 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 making compromises and we're making decisions on on what we're choosing to photograph, mm-hmm. and in this case, uh, I would just uh, say that you don't want to delete your images because you never know that it could be some unique moment that later on you might need. So I would still keep it because uh, when you're going through and looking at those, you you, you want to have more information. If the mm-hmm. bride contacts me and says, "Hey, where is such and such a shot?" Blah blah blah. I want to be able to have the most information to review and and see if I can find the shot that she's looking for if right. it was something that we happened to take yeah. on the wedding day. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't look at the back of my you know camera all that often. I don't take a shot, look at it, take a shot, look at it. If I'm in a scene, I'll kind of take a shot, take a look, and then I'll just shoot away. Like I won't look at that camera for quite some time, mm-hmm. but I'll I'll pay attention to my my metering inside my. Uh, inside my viewfinder kind of thing but other than that i really don't i don't know about you but i hardly ever take a look at my lcd screen once i get going yeah i so that's actually something that i'm trying to get a little bit better on Mm -hmm. um personally um where i know that like i i don't feel bad about chimping in the beginning like kind of what you just mentioned if i'm in a new scene or if i'm in a new look and um, you know, I, I have an eye on my exposure meter, but it's still, and, and the more that you shoot, the more you realize, you know, if you're shooting by a window, you might want to be down a stop or mm-hmm. up or stop, whatever. But, but sometimes you still don't know. And I, and I would always rather just check it to see if I do, and especially in a new shooting environment or in a tricky one, like, mm-hmm. like when you have different light sources, um, I never feel bad about that initial look, but sometimes I will catching myself like doing a second or third look in the same shooting situation and I have to remind myself like dude you don't need you already checked once you you're good on your exposure you yeah. you know that that ends up being kind of against what I was just mentioning before like mm-hmm. I'm taking myself out of the moment in terms of photographing the wedding or what's happening or or trying to pose Right, because I'm you know looking at my camera, and that's and that's where it crosses that line where I think that yeah, it's and you too might much. miss something while you're looking at the back of your camera. Mm-hmm. You know, usually I'm watching through my camera, not not paying attention to anything that's going on, on my LCD screen. Usually, I'm just kind of watching my metering, but um, but yeah. But to go back to the subject, um, I have this. Okay, I got this book that's called Weddings by Vera Wang. It's pretty much a huge book of real weddings shot by you know real photographers and it's all about her wedding dresses and stuff like that but there's a lot of celebrities in there and shot by celebrity photographers and it's a beautiful book and this was published in 2001 so it's not that old so it's we're not looking at images from the 70s or the 60s but a lot of the photographs weren't really all that tech sharp either but i mean they were just gorgeous images so i think you know if if it's a little bit out of focus, then yeah. If if you're nailing the emotion or anything, just just keep it. Yeah, know. and Why there, not? it's it, just a little bit of space. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's you know the the level of work that that we're expected to produce now with the way technology has changed. Like back then, man, 
back then it was it was much much more difficult. Yes, it's even in back be, then in two thousand one, yeah, which wasn't that long ago. Well, yeah, but, uh, right. Well, whether you were shooting at that time, whether you're shooting uh, film mm-hmm. or digital, which had like a sliver of like exposure that was that yeah. could work. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Neil was just mentioning something along those topics. Not you, Neil, but yeah, the other Neil the other that we Neil. just had. Neil with an I <laughs> um, was mentioning something along those lines. You know, where um, you know you have to you had to be tack you know to know your exposure like mm-hmm. exactly and and there is. Today, um, you know, we think that we have this uh, like so much leeway with um, with the raw image, and we kind of do. And I, I talked about the dynamic range of the Nikon's and everything like that. But every single time, your photo will be much, much, much better and cleaner and stronger if you nail the exposure in the camera as opposed to pushing it right. in post. Mm-hmm. Um, that's those are the best images when when you just lock on you know exactly the exposure for that particular lighting scene and you just nail it and you're like oh yeah, yeah that's what i'm talking about you know and that's the way it should be all the time mm-hmm. uh, you know the the more that uh, you know as as professionals uh, we should be there more and more and less um chimping like i'm doing like possibly on that second or third time like i mm-hmm. should you know i it, it's trusting yourself too right um and sometimes you have to let go because on a wedding you're, you know, I'm shooting a wedding, and you're, we're, we want to do the best job that we can, and I always want to be sure that I'm getting this shot. I don't want to have, st- I don't want to be stuck in guessing myself mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, have the shot. So I do, I, like, I want to check, I want to see, um, but, but I, sh- I need to trust myself more, especially if I did that initial test shot and I looked at it and I saw it and I'm good. Like, I need to let that go because mm-hmm. then that's taking me out of the wedding and it's taking me out of. And it's also less professional that I'm sitting there chimping away right. at a camera. That's not that's, cool. That's when, uh, when everybody's having fun during cocktail hour, that's usually when I, uh, after I get all the details, that's when I kind of look back on, my, on some of my shots that, you know, yeah. I want to go and back you feel, and look I'm, at. I'm curious <laughs> if you feel this way, but when I'm, when I'm shooting a wedding on the wedding day, mm-hmm. and I've talked to a lot of other photographers, and a lot of other photographers feel this way too, but when I'm shooting a wedding on the wedding day... I sometimes feel like, oh man, like I don't have my money shot. Like I don't have this oh, particular gosh. shot. I do that almost every, every wedding. Like, <laughs> like every wedding, I feel like I start getting down on myself. Like yeah. by the time I sit down for dinner, I'm like, because I have these high expectations for mm-hmm. what I'm producing, and, I, and I've, and when I get to that point, I'm like, man, I didn't like, like I don't have that that one or two yep. shots that just like wow bang, factor. you know. Yeah. But then. Like when I get back home and I upload the wedding, I'm like, "Oh, dude, you did." What was I great. worried about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah what was I stressing like, oh, about yeah, all day? <laughs> exactly. But but you're like, because you're so in the moment mm-hmm. of shooting that you don't sometimes like. I don't even know what I'm doing sometimes <laughs> when I'm shooting. You know, it's like like I'm just trying to make things happen. You know, uh-huh. and 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 because I do have the tendency to be active and my mind is moving very quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think for everybody, is it just me or maybe it's me to a bigger extent because of the way sometimes I work but 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 we all move along so fast we don't have time to like think totally about you know like no because I'm thinking about the next shot right right yeah is it just me no not at all because I think that way during dinner you know during the weddings all the time like every almost every wedding and you know I I love the end of the night shots when I take the couples outside for one little last photo shoot and if I'm not feeling good about what I got throughout the whole day, that's that's my time to kind of like shine because I keep on thinking, you know, I, I really don't have that 
that Neil Urban shot yet. Mm-hmm. So that's when I'm trying to plan something. And it happens every wedding. Yeah. But, you know, I, I like, like you thing. said, I get home and I'm like, what was I worried about? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, and then and then I take those great shots at the end of the night and that's just yes. like... It's icing on the cake. It's icing on the Dude, cake. Dude, I do yeah. the same thing. Like, uh-huh. we, we think a lot alike about the way that we shoot because it's the same thing. Like, because we... When you build up a brand, your clients expect to get that look. Yeah. And if I'm not delivering that look... I'm not doing my job, and I like I I really feel that. So, um, so I so we put a lot of the self pressure on ourselves. Um, but it's the same thing too. Like by the end of the night, that's good the, pressure. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's good. And and every time I push it, I, this is the other thing too. Every time where I'm like, I feel like I could be good, and I'm good. Like I'm good. I've got my shot. I got my. They're, they're, we're good. We're mm-hmm. good on that shot. I always push it like one or two more shots, and those usually end up being and the best. Are the shots. best. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Because you just want to make it better. Yeah. Perfectionist. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, that said, yeah, let's. I think that's going to wrap things up for I today. Think so I um, think so. Yeah, our next show we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have a lot to talk about yeah. coming back from WPPI. So, so yeah, if you guys um, are there, look us up. Um, yeah, uh, look forward to meeting you guys in, in the flesh and hang out and stuff. So absolutely, please feel free to, to contact us, and we look forward to meeting everybody. If you're listening to the show before or after WPPI, hello, unite everybody. We uh, we love you and look forward to meeting you guys one way or the other. Definitely, uh, whether it's in person or through this show, please uh, please feel free to, to let us know. And that said, um, please send any questions to mm-hmm. info at weddingphotographersunite.com. Say hello at info at weddingphotographersunite.com. Go to our go to our website. Cl- you know, click a comment away or two. <laughs> Say like, what's going on? We'll respond to you. It'll be cool. You know, like we'll we'll build a community around this thing. And then yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing too is please do you know like subscribe if, if you're listening to this because actually you can listen to find us now on uh, not only iTunes but you can find us on Stitcher Radio mm-hmm. and iTunes no no it's a uh, TuneIn Radio is the other one okay. uh, so you can find us in these multiple ways but really i think the best one that that really will help promote the show is if you could really go to iTunes if you've been listening to the show if you've been enjoying the, what we've been sharing with you please do go to iTunes and subscribe there but more important with that is please do re- leave us a positive review um, if you enjoy the show because that's really going to help us uh, move move things along and pick up listeners yes, and we can as do as we more of these along. shows and more guests and everything yeah, else yeah absolutely so Thank you, everybody, for joining us again on Wedding Photographers Unite. And farewell. (laughs) Take care, everybody. We'll see you. Unite.